The following is a presentation of Broadway Church in Vancouver, British Columbia. For additional media, visit broadwaychurch.com. Today we're embarking on a brand new topic, a new series here at Broadway that we're calling Let Go. It's a two-week series devoted to one single subject, forgiveness. Now you're out there and you're thinking to yourself, seriously, Darren, at a time like this, you're talking about forgiveness? With all that's going on with quarantines and social distancing and economic chaos, we're going to talk about forgiveness? What's up with that? Doesn't make sense. Actually, there's a lot of memes out there. There's a, a lot of real creative stuff flying around in our world today when it comes to all that's happening around us. It seems when people have time by themselves, they're very creative. And there's a lot of humorous people out there, a lot of funny things going around. In fact, I get sent a lot of them. Thank you very much. Keep sending them to me. Probably my favorite meme of all that I've seen in the last few months is this one. I don't know how good the quality is going to be on your screen, but let's watch this together. Because of coronavirus, you are going to be quarantined, but you have a choice. Do you A, quarantine with your wife and child, or B, B. 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 That makes me laugh every time I see it. Now, in those few seconds, that man summed up two things. He summed up what's going on in a lot of homes all over the world, and he summed up the reason why we're talking about forgiveness. Because the circumstances you and I find ourselves in right now are having a fascinating effect upon relationships. Benjamin Franklin is famous for a lot of things, like discovering electricity, for one thing. But he was also well known for a, a, a quote that he made about relationships. Talking about people who uh, plan to stay at your home for about three days and end up staying for three or four weeks, Benjamin Franklin famously said this. He said, guests are like fish. They start to smell after three days. What Franklin was getting on was the whole idea that, you know, friends are great to have around with you for a while, but after a little bit longer, three, four, five, six days, they're starting to bug you a bit. They're starting to irk you a little bit. You're starting to see their idiosyncrasies. After three or four days, ah, it's not as pleasant as it was at the very beginning. Well, in these days of quarantining, people are discovering that this relationship dynamic isn't just true about guests. Being forced to spend long stretches of time in a confined space has a way of straining even the closest of relationships. It creates tension. In fact, just today, I read a study from the UK. They've been studying relationships for the last couple of months since all of this began. And they discovered that 12% of people right now in the UK are suddenly reevaluating their relationships. 21% of couples between the ages of 25 and 34 are reevaluating the relationships. 22% of men and 31% of women say they are finding their partners more irritating now than ever before. And 25% reported that they are now arguing more than they've ever argued before. See, it's like this barbell. You've been thinking to yourself, Darren, why are you carrying a barbell at the beginning of this sermon? Well, it's like the, with this barbell. You can carry a weight for a limited amount of time. No problem. 
but the longer you're forced to carry a weight, to hold on to a weight, the more tension that you begin to experience. Now you can't see it because I'm wearing this jacket, but underneath my arm right now is bulging veins and this muscle is just, well, anyway, I'm feeling the tension of carrying this. The longer I hold on to it, the more tension builds in my arm. Normally in a relationship, you're able to get away from the tension for a while to relieve the relationship tension, to kind of put down that weight for a season. That's what normally happens. But during the season of confinement, the usual relief valves that we have simply aren't available. So the tension builds and the weakness is exposed and the relationships are strained. Well, that's one of the reasons why we'd be talking about forgiveness at a time like this, but it's not any of the reasons that we've given you on your outline today. Now, the truth is that this series was planned several, several, six, seven, eight months ago. We advertised this series back in January, if you remember. I'm not talking about forgiveness as a reaction to what's happening. I'm talking about forgiveness as a way of being proactive to help us to have healthy relationships. Because entirely apart from quarantine-related reasons, there are strong biblical reasons for discussing forgiveness. Foundationally, as your outline says, we are commanded to forgive. We are commanded to forgive. The Bible puts it this way. In fact, a man named Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, a leader in the early church, he wrote this to a church in the ancient city of Ephesus. He says, I'm reading from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 to 32. He says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. That's a poetic way of saying the Spirit of God dwells within you and he's, he's holding you tight. He's holding you strong, holding you fast until that uh, day of resurrection. He says, so because this is all true, he says, so get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of all rage. Get rid of all anger. Get rid of all brawling, that's fighting, and slander. Get rid of every form of malice, of ugliness, in other words. And then look what he says. Instead, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Paul says, here's a biblical command. You as a follower of Jesus are commanded to forgive others, just as God forgave you through Jesus Christ. Do you know what it feels like to know that you have been forgiven by God? Isn't it an incredible sensation, an incredible knowledge, incredible feeling to know that God has cleansed you of all of the ugliness in your life? It's because of what Jesus did on your behalf. He took all the blame, all the shame, all the guilt, all the weight of all that you had done. He bore it on the cross. He got what I deserved. He got what you deserved. And then he died in our place, paying the, the, the price for our sin. And then he rose from the dead and offers us forgiveness and cleansing. And we have now have free forgiveness, not because of anything we've done. We didn't jump through any hoops. We didn't suddenly get better. We didn't work for forgiveness. It's a gift we received. God says, I forgive you. 
It's a decision God made. And the scripture says that we are to forgive others just as we have been forgiven by God. By the way, do you know what it feels like to be forgiven? Have you had that experience of accepting and receiving the forgiveness of God as purchased by Jesus? If you've not made that decision, if you've not yet accepted that gift, at the end of today's teaching, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that very thing. So hold on. Get ready for that moment. Well, we're commanded to forgive. That's why we're talking about forgiveness. But there's another excellent reason uh, for discussing forgiveness that's also tied to the passage we just read from Ephesians. Think about this. What happens when we ignore Paul's advice? So what about if we choose to retain our bitterness? Or what happens when we choose to maintain the rage, the anger, the slander, and the malice in our lives? What happens when we choose to refuse to forgive others like Christ has forgiven us? What then? Well, as your outline says, when we refuse to forgive, we unleash a chain of destructive consequences. A little seed of resentment grows into a shrub of anger, which becomes a tree of hatred. And before you know it, you have an entire forest of bitterness which then leads to the ultimate destructive consequence of refusing to forgive. Listen, to, listen carefully to what Jesus himself said, as quoted in Matthew chapter 6. This is Jesus talking now. He said, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Wow. Okay, what's Jesus saying here? You know, it sounds an awful lot like Jesus is saying, if I don't forgive others, God won't forgive me. It sounds like he's saying that because that's exactly what he said. How can that be? It sounds like somehow we're, we're earning or working for our salvation. What's he saying? By the end of this series, you're going to see how this all works. But for now, let's just allow the words of Jesus to sink into our hearts and minds. If I don't forgive others, God won't forgive me. That's why we're talking about forgiveness. This series is more than equipping you to have a peaceful life. This series is all about equipping you to have an eternal life. Okay, there's a, a dear elderly gentleman. He's driving his car on a highway. And as he's driving along on the highway, he gets pulled over by the police. And the police officer walks up to the man's vehicle and the gentleman rolls his window down. And the officer says, sir, I'm pulling you over for a very rare reason. I'm pulling you over because you're driving too slow. You're driving way under the speed limit. And the gentleman says, no, that's not true. He says, I've been driving 20 kilometers an hour, just like the sign says. And the officer says, yes, it's true. You've been driving 20 kilometers an hour here on this highway, but the speed limit is 80 kilometers an hour. You're driving 60 under the speed limit. And the gentleman driving said, no, that's not true. The sign back there just said maximum speed 20. And the officer said, no, you're confused. The sign you just saw said this is highway number 20. That's not the speed limit. That's the number of this highway. 
And the gentleman driving said, oh, that makes so much sense. That's why people were so upset with me when I was driving on Highway 175. Sometimes people are wanting to do the right thing, but they're just not reading the signs right. It's true when it comes to driving, and it's true when it comes to forgiveness. Over the years, I've met all sorts of people. I myself have struggled with all sorts of misunderstandings and misinformation when it comes to this topic of forgiveness, what it is and what it isn't. So before we explain what forgiveness is and how to do it, we're going to spend a few moments today debunking what forgiveness is not. Now, over the last 35 years of pastoring, I've noticed a pattern of faulty thinking that we all have the tendency to fall into. So today I'm going to point out three common potholes we need to avoid on this road to forgiveness. First one is this, as your outline says, forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Many people seem to have this mistaken idea that forgiveness works like this. One morning, you wake up or, or you're standing in the mirror and you're brushing your teeth and all of a sudden it hits you. Oh, 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 oh my goodness. I, I, I feel like forgiving people. I, I have this, this overwhelming sense of forgiving everything. Joe, I forgive you, Joe. Susie, I forgive you, Susie. I, I forgive everyone. I forgive the whole world. I have this light feeling of forgiveness. I forgive everyone. I am such a forgiving person because I have this overwhelming sense of love and forgiveness. Folks, it doesn't work that way. Unless you take a lot of medication, it doesn't work that way. As your outline says, when it comes to forgiveness, it's a decision that you make, not a feeling that you have. You don't wait to be in the mood to forgive. It, forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a decision you make, not a feeling that you have. And that brings us to the second observation regarding what forgiveness is not. Now, I want you out there in, in church online world to finish this sentence for me. I can forgive, but I can't. That's right. I, I could hear it through the screen. I can forgive, but I can't forget. Many of you yelled it out at me. Well done. Now, when some people say this, they're saying it as a, as a, a declaration of frustration. They sincerely want to forgive, but they don't think that they've truly accomplished forgiveness until they have forgotten what was done to them. So people like this, they say things like this. They say, hey, Darren, I want to forgive. I'm desperately trying to forgive. But every time I say to myself, yes, I've forgiven them, and I sincerely think I have forgiven them, and then I'm reminded of what they did to me, that surfaces again, and I'm back to where I started hating them. So what these people are saying is, apparently, they're, they're saying, apparently, I can forgive I, or actually, they're saying, apparently I can't forgive because I can't seem to forget. Others aren't saying this as a declaration of frustration about forgiveness, so much as they're saying this as an excuse for why they don't forgive. 
These, the second group of people, they say, sorry, sorry, Darren, but my sharp and keen mind does not forget things. Therefore, my intellectual superiority clearly renders me unable to forgive. So, when these people say, I can forgive, but I can't forget, what they're really saying is, I can't forget, therefore, I won't forgive. Now, I've got some good news for both of these people. As your outline says, forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiving isn't forgetting. Having a strong and keen mind is not a barrier to forgiveness. Having a knack for details is not a roadblock to forgiveness. As your outline says, being able to remember does not mean being unable to forgive. I mean, think about this for a moment. If forgiving requires forgetting, how does God forgive? God's all-knowing. He knows everything. He knows the past, the present, the future. He knows all things. And so if God knows all things, how can he forgive? Because he can't forget. People say, oh, but what about that passage in the Bible, Darren? That passage that says God takes our sins and he casts them into the sea of forgetfulness. What are you going to do with that passage in the Bible, Darren? Good point. Very good point. Did you know that's not in the Bible? It's not. That's not a verse from the Bible. That's an old saying that's been around for decades, if not centuries. God takes our sins and casts them in the sea of forgetfulness, but it's not in the Bible. There are two passages, though, in the Old Testament that people will often turn to. As a, an example, they say that God forgets. Psalm 103, verse 12, it's on your outline. The psalmist wrote, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgression or our sin from us. And they'll say, there's an example. God forgets our sin. But that's not what that passage is saying. That passage simply says that the east and the west, they never meet. And the Bible says that God removes our sins from us. Just like the east never meets the west, our sin will no longer meet us. It will no longer be brought before us again. God removes our sin from our presence, just like east and west never meet. But probably the, the most popular passage for people claiming that God forgets is found in Jeremiah chapter 31, 34, where Jeremiah quotes God saying this prophetically. God says, I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. There it is. Aha! I will remember their sins no more. See, there it is. God forgets their sins. And I point out to you that there is a vast difference between forgetting and not remembering. You say, oh, Darren, come on, man. You are, you are choking on a gnat here. You're threading a needle. That's ridiculous. A difference between forgetting and not remembering. Forgetting and not remembering are the same thing. That's not true. And I'm going to show it to you right now. Think about what you're thinking about, okay? Right now, think about what's in your mind right now. Got it? Now, now think about your birthday, the day you were born. Now, 30 seconds ago, were you thinking about your birthday? Was that in the front of your mind? Probably not. Does that mean you had forgotten your birthday? No, not at all. It just wasn't at the front of your mind. It was at the back of your mind. And when I asked you to remember it, you brought it from the back to the front. You called it to mind. You brought it to mind. 
In fact, that's literally what the word remembers here in Hebrew in this Jeremiah passage. It's zakar. And it, the word remember in Hebrew means to bring to mind. It means to call to mind. You see, folks, there's a vast difference between forgetting and not remembering. To not remember is to leave something in the back of your mind, to not retrieve it, to not bring it forward. You don't remember. You leave it back there. To forget is to try to remember. It's to try to bring it forward, but not be able to. What's your birthday? I forget. I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to bring it from the back of my mind to the front, but I can't. I cannot remember. I forget. To remember is to bring from the back to the front. To forget is to not have the ability to bring from the back to the front. Well, in this Jeremiah passage, God is saying, I have decided that I will forgive these people. I have decided that I will not retrieve their past and bring it into their present. I will not remember their sins. I will not bring to mind, I will not call to mind their sin. I will remember their sin no more. I will not use my knowledge of their past to ruin their experience of their present. I'll remember their sin no more. I know what they did in the past, but I'm going to leave it there. I won't bring it forward. I choose to not remember it. But this has nothing to do with forgetting. Forgiveness isn't forgetting. And that brings us to the third and final pothole on the pathway to forgiveness. When it comes to forgiving others, forgiveness is not fairy dust. Forgiveness is not fairy dust. <laughs> now, what do I mean by that? There are some people out there who believe that ketchup makes everything taste great. No matter what you're eating, just pour ketchup on it, and that just makes it wonderful. Or maybe you're not a ketchup person, so which kind of person are you? Maybe you're a fondue person. There are people who believe that fondue makes everything better. So, so you know, you melt some cheese and you dip some cheese into, dip it into cheese. Or maybe you're a chocolate fondue person. You, you could dip anything into chocolate and it would taste good. You could dip an old shoe into chocolate and it would taste delicious. My mom learned this years ago. If you want to make kids eat vegetables, just pour melted cheese over them. She never got into pouring chocolate on vegetables, but uh, I suppose because we nibbled on the, the cheese, that's why she didn't have to. Now, there are some people out there who, of course, their answer for everything is to deep fry it. Just deep fry it. Deep fry makes everything feel good. But ketchup, fondue. See, some people have the mistaken impression that forgiveness is like ketchup or forgiveness is like fondue. Whatever the person did, dip it into the fondue of forgiveness and it's all good. Whatever the person did, sprinkle the fairy dust of forgiveness upon it and all is well. You see, there's a common statement that I've heard over the years when it comes to forgiveness. People will say this, no, everything's okay. I've forgiven you. Oh, I've forgiven you, so everything's fine now. Listen, forgiveness is not fairy dust. It doesn't work like that. As your outline says, forgiveness is not magically making a bad thing a good thing. 
or a bad person a good person. I'm going to repeat that again because I want to make sure we get this. Forgiveness is not magically making a bad thing a good thing or a bad person a good person. Listen, I have sat across countless men and women over the years talking to them about uh, God's command to forgive. Some traumatic things that perhaps happened to them. And they're in my office, they're sitting across from me because they're struggling with what was done to them years, maybe decades ago. Scenarios of abuse, of infidelity, of abandonment, of deceit. And they know that they should forgive. But for some reason, they feel they can't. And some common questions I've heard over the years is, Darren, if I've forgiven them, does that mean then I have to hug them and befriend them? If I've forgiven them, do I have to act like nothing ever happened then? Is that what forgiveness means? If I've forgiven them, do I have to trust them? After what they did to me as a young child, I can't trust them. But if I forgive them, does that mean I have to trust them? If I've forgiven them, do I have to let them back into my life again? The answer to all of these questions is no. Forgiveness doesn't magically turn an unpleasant, malicious, untrustworthy person into a pleasant, kind, trustworthy person. Just because you've forgiven someone doesn't necessarily mean you even have to like them. Listen, you don't have the right to hate them. But you do not have to like them to have forgiven them. Hey, I have forgiven the Boston Bruins for defeating the Canucks in the Stanley Cup in 2011. But that doesn't mean I have to now become a Boston Bruins fan. No, just because you've forgiven someone doesn't mean you have to like them necessarily. You can forgive someone and still maintain social distancing rules with them for the rest of your life. In fact, and some of you need to hear this, you can forgive someone and not even tell them that you've forgiven them. I've chatted with people in the past and they've said, well, I can't forgive them because that means I've got to go and tell them that I've forgiven them and I don't want to be involved in their life. No, you don't have to do that. You can forgive someone and not even tell them that you've forgiven them. That's not a requirement of forgiveness to tell them that you've done this. In fact, you can forgive someone who's not even alive. You can forgive someone who is deceased. Folks, at its core, forgiveness is for your sake. It's not for their sake. Now, ideally, restoration of the relationship, that's what you're looking for. That's what you ideally would like at the very least. But hear this. Restoring of a relationship is not a requirement for forgiveness to have taken place. Forgiving someone, as well, doesn't mean you have to trust them. Listen, trust is earned. Forgiveness is not earned. Forgiveness is unmerited. It's simply given. But trust is different. Trust is earned. That's why we have the word trustworthy. There's no such word as forgiveworthy. Trust is earned. Forgiveness is not earned. Listen. It may very well be that the person you are forgiving has shown themselves to be unworthy of your trust. So forgive them, but don't trust them, unless and until they have earned your trust. Forgiveness, folks, is not fairy dust. Forgiveness changes you. It doesn't change them. Well, let's conclude.
Today we're learning what forgiveness isn't. We've learned that forgiveness is not a feeling, forgiveness is not forgetting, and forgiveness is not fairy dust, which is covering my hands at this moment. So what exactly is forgiveness? Well, we're only halfway to answering that question, but so far we've learned enough to, to go with this definition that will serve as your big idea today. Here it is. Forgiveness is saying yes to unmerited grace and no to unnecessary grief. Forgiveness is saying yes to unmerited grace and no to unnecessary grief. As followers of Jesus, we are commanded to forgive others just as Christ has forgiven us. And how has he done that? With unmerited grace. He paid our debt. He didn't wait for us to get better. He didn't wait for us to ask him uh, for him to forgive us. He took the initiative. He forgave us. He decided to do that. And we're to forgive others just as Christ has forgiven us. It's unmerited grace. Unearned grace. But if you refuse to forgive others just as Christ has forgiven you, you increase the level of evil in your life and you reject the presence of God in your life. So don't refuse. Forgive. Say yes to unmerited grace and say no to unnecessary grief. But you're there, you're watching and you're listening and you're asking, okay, Darren, but how? How am I supposed to do this? How do I forgive? That's what we're going to talk about next week here at Broadway Church Online. Let's bow our heads before we go into a time of communion together. Let's bow our heads together and would you let me pray? Father God, you know every person who's listening right now. You know the journey that everyone's been through. You know the pain perhaps that this topic has even stirred up in people's lives. Abuse difficult past. Faces have been brought to mind. People are wrestling. Spirit of God, I ask that you bring peace into their heart and minds right now. You love them. You have forgiven them. And you're going to teach us and guide us through the truth of forgiveness so that we can forgive just as we have been forgiven. Perhaps you're watching right now and you're not yet a follower of Jesus. You've not yet accepted this gift of forgiveness. Right now I'm going to pray a prayer where you can take that next step and say, yes, I'm asking God to, to apply that forgiveness to my life. He's offering it to me. Right now I'm going to accept this gift of forgiveness in new life. If that's you, pray this with me. God, I acknowledge my need for forgiveness. I've rebelled against you. And now... By the authority of the resurrected Jesus, I accept your gift of forgiveness and cleansing. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Change me from the inside out. And give me the courage to act on this decision now by telling somebody, in the name of Jesus I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, depending on which platform you're watching this teaching on, you can click that little hand that says raise hand. That's one way of letting people know that you've made this decision. You can, uh, in the chat line, let someone know and ask someone to pray with you and for you. Or right now on the screen, there's a number. If you text this number, wherever you are in the world, text this number and someone will help you take the next step in your journey. God bless you. Next week, we're continuing by learning what forgiveness is and how to do it. But right now, we're going into a brief time of communion. God bless you, Broadway.